Good morning, church. This morning we are continuing our series about women of the Bible. You might remember that last time I spoke on Naaman's servant girl. This time I had just as much trouble trying to decide on who to pick. But in the end, I went for two characters who are as different as light and dark and chalk and cheese. However, before we look at them, I want to ask any of you if you've ever done a Myers-Briggs personality test. If you haven't ever done one of these, um, it's rather a long test where you have to answer lots, and I mean lots of questions and statements about how you react to situations, what your thoughts are. Um, It's supposed to give you an insight into your natural personality traits. I don't know if any of you have done one. Um, It's supposed to tell you, for example, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that type of thing, whether you like to think things through or whether you are someone who acts impulsively or by instinct. Um, I had to do one of these tests um, a few years ago when I was on a training programme and I found it really interesting. The test involves lots of different statements that you have to agree with or disagree with, either mildly or strongly. And you are supposed to give your first instinctive answer, not overthink it, as apparently that's really important. Um, I've actually got some examples for you this morning for you to have a go at. So have a little think, very quick think. First question, you enjoy vibrant social events with lots of people. Agree or disagree? You often spend time exploring unrealistic yet intriguing ideas. Agree or disagree? Your travel plans are more likely to look like a rough list of ideas rather than a detailed itinerary. Agree or disagree? You often think about what you should have said in a conversation long after it has taken place. Agree or disagree? And people rarely upset you. Agree or disagree? It was interesting for me to see the results when they came back through. We had to send them away and they had to be analysed. For example, everyone, and I'm guessing most of you guys would probably do think the same, thought that I was an extrovert. Well, guess what? It turns out I'm an introvert with learnt extrovert behaviour. Well, what does that mean? That means given the choice, I am naturally an introvert, but I've learnt as a result of my job and the things that I've had to do and the situations that I've gone through to put an extrovert behaviour as it's been necessary. And I suppose that does kind of make sense. Given the choice, I would much prefer to curl up on the sofa with a good book and a cup of cocoa every single time prepared rather than go to a party. So actually it was right. So why am I talking about this? Well, if the characters that I'm going to talk about had done this test, I am quite sure that they would have come out as very, very different characteristics. One, I think, would probably have almost definitely been an introvert and one an extrovert, one a thinker and one a doer. They were, in fact, two sisters. Two sisters 
who were very, very different. A bit like my two daughters, Sarah and Hannah. When they were little, Sarah was always very neat and tidy and would never get dirty or messy or climb trees or dig in the dirt or slide down a really big slide. She would happily sit and read books and draw. Hannah, on the other hand, would sit making mud pies, clean out my mum's fish pond, swing from trees, climb every tree and go on bug hunts. It's no wonder she spends all her time in wellies and is an ecologist now. Two very different sisters. So who am I talking about in the Bible? Well, let's read about them. You can follow along on the screen or you can look the story up in your Bible. It can be found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So why did I want to look at this story? Well, I wanted to look at this story because I sometimes think that Martha gets a bit of bad press. And whilst there are definitely some really good lessons to learn here, I think that one of the most important lessons to learn is that we're all different, but we are still loved by God. Let's set the scene, though, before we look at the differences that these women demonstrated. Well, the first thing I want you to know is that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were all from the same family. They were brothers and sisters living in a little village called Bethany, which is just outside Jerusalem near the Mount of Olives. Their house was one of Jesus's favourite places to go. I suppose you could think of it as like a bit of a bolt hole for him to go to, somewhere where he could relax, uh, be himself and escape from the views of the religious leaders that were always hounding him. The Bible tells us in John 11 verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved all three of them and he enjoyed being in their home and in their company. Now, despite the fact that the sisters were so different, there's every indication that Jesus loved them just the same. And he enjoyed being in their company. Just as an aside, um, can you think of somewhere that you can treat as a bit of a bolt hole? You know, a go-to place, a home that you can just turn up to and escape and it's easy and you don't have to put on a show and you can be yourself. Well, I think it was a bit like that for Jesus when he went to their home. It was as if he could just go and have a bit of time out. Do you know the sort of place I mean? It's interesting that the word hospital, and hence hospitable, is a 14th century loan word from Anglo-Saxon that was originally used to depict what we would call a hostel today, where weary travellers could uh, rest before pressing on with their journey. 
they would often have minor injuries from their travels and those would be treated at the same time. Jesus was often weary and tired from his journeys and I think it was on one of these such occasions that our story was set. C.H. Spurgeon, who was a preacher from many years ago, a brilliant preacher, says this, Mary and Martha were two excellent sisters, both loved by Jesus. Martha was an earnest woman, a true believer and follower of Jesus, who considered it a joy to entertain Jesus and be hospitable. And I think he's got it right. I think she was actually an example to us all, really, about how we can share our homes and how we can show love to others. And he agrees with me that Martha sometimes gets a bit of bad press and actually points out that she was the one who probably noticed it on Jesus' arrival that he was dusty and that he was tired and wanted in her very own way for everything to be just perfect for him. I kind of get that. I get that. My family often laugh at me. Well, yeah, my family just often laugh at me. But my family often laugh at me as they call me a feeder. And it's probably true. I get a lot of joy and a lot of satisfaction from cooking for people and being hospitable. I guess it's my way of showing love to others. And I get Martha. Martha would have been classed by Myers-Briggs as a problem solver, a doer, keen to get on with things. She demonstrated her love in a practical way. The way the story is retold, it, it implies that Martha was the older of the two sisters and the running of the house was her responsibility. She was in charge um, and that's why she wanted it to be right. She wanted it to be right for Jesus because if it wasn't, it reflected on her. Mary, on the other hand, was a thinker. She was the younger sister, probably with less responsibility, and she was reflective. She'd thought, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to spend time with my saviour, a chance to sit at his feet and listen, soak in everything he says and does, she adored him and she was totally oblivious of everything going on around her. It wasn't that she was lazy. She just didn't notice genuinely the state that poor Martha was getting into. Here were two sisters showing their love to Jesus in two very different ways. The problem came when Martha started comparing herself to Mary. Sound familiar? She became irritated, frustrated and resentful that she was doing all the work and Mary was sitting there doing absolutely nothing. Or that's how it seemed to Martha. Mary, on the other hand, was so in awe of Jesus, she was completely oblivious of Martha getting herself all worked up and hot and bothered. Sam mentioned the week before last about how easy it is to get caught up in the, the busyness of life. And that's all that happened to Aunt Martha. She got caught up in the busyness of life. She got caught up with the busyness of things that she forgot to look to Jesus. Just like the thorns and the weeds that grew up and choked the seed in the parable of the sower, it was just the same for Martha. She was so well-intentioned. 
After all, she just wanted to look after Jesus, but she missed the point. The problem was not that she was serving Jesus in a different way. The problem was she started comparing herself to others. And that's when it all started to go wrong. We can be a bit like Martha, can't we? We can be a bit like Martha, can't we? So troubled by negative behaviour in others that we become all self-righteous and judge them. Satan whispers lies and accusations to cause conflict and we are only too ready to listen. I was doing my daily reading the other day and I, I follow um, the daily readings that Jeff Lucas does um, and the words just seem to resonate and jump off the page considering at what we're looking at today. And you know, he writes about things in a way that it just has to make you smile despite the seriousness of it all. And he says this, it's ironic but one of the most dangerous times for a local church is when people start figuring out what their gifts and ministries are. People develop a sense of vision and calling, which is great, but then begin to feel exclusively passionate about their area of ministry. Before long, gift wars break out. The intercessors are frustrated with the evangelists. They shout a lot, but aren't spiritual enough. The evangelists think that the intercessors are spiritual space cadets who are happy to pray in safety but never get out into the real world. And the social action advocates are unhappy with both the other groups, feeling that witnessing or praying without meeting people's needs are worthless. All very valid points. Before long, the church is in uproar and all because of a few people who started to get a burden for ministry, but their passion got corrupted. We can all be a Martha, can't we? 1 Timothy 4.16 says this, take heed to yourself. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus nails it completely in Matthew 7 when he says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck, of your, the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you know what I like about Martha though? She did actually do the right thing. She took her moans to Jesus. She didn't moan to other people or to her best friend or start having a dig on social media about the injustice of it all. No, she took her moans to Jesus. And what was his response? Did he have a go at her? No, look at what he said. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I don't know about you, but I can almost hear the gentle way that he repeated her name. Martha, Martha, 
It was such a gentle rebuke, said with such great love. He wasn't angry with her and he totally understood. He just gently reminded her that just sometimes sitting and adoring him is the right thing to do. He knew she was acting out of love for him in all her actions. He wasn't angry or cross. Her wrong choice was not the work she was doing. No, it was criticising Mary for serving him differently. Another quote from C.H. Spurgeon that I found very useful was this. It's not an easy thing to maintain the balance of our spiritual life. No man can be spiritually healthy who doesn't spend time with God, but we need to be active and diligent in service. Not so active to neglect time with God, but not so contemplative as to become unpractical. Let's say that again. Not so active to neglect time with God, but not so contemplative as to become unpractical. You know, I think, though, that this wasn't the only time that the differences between these two sisters manifested itself. You can see it again when their brother Lazarus dies. He had been very poorly for a while and the sisters on realising that he was seriously ill sent for Jesus. The trouble was that at that particular moment in time, Jesus was two days journey away and unfortunately, by the time he arrived, Lazarus had died. The sisters' reactions were different again. John 11 verse 20 says, Then when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha was rushing ahead yet again, but Mary was contemplative and waiting. What they said to Jesus about the situation is almost word for word the same, but you can imagine the way in which they said it was so different. Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. From what we've seen of of Martha, I think there would have been an element of, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Almost in an accusatory tone. But then the words spoken gentler. But I know that even now God will show you whatever you ask. It shows a headstrong, full-on character who told God just what she thought, but one that still loved and trusted him as her saviour. I like Martha. I think she would have gone on so well with Peter, who always charged a hundred miles at things and then got them so wrong so many times, but loved his saviour with a deep, deep love despite it all. Mary, on the other hand, said exactly the same thing to Jesus when she saw him after her brother died. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. This, I can imagine being said in a more earnest, broken, desperately gentle way, as it says that she fell at Jesus' feet weeping. Two very different sisters serving Jesus in two very different ways. So... What can we learn from these two different sisters who were so loved by Jesus? I think there's five things that we can learn. One, 
we can show love for Jesus and serve him in different ways. Martha showed love for Jesus with him with hospitality and in practical ways, whereas Mary chose the path of serving him in worship and adoration and spending time with him. We can all serve him in different ways because we are all different, but we are still all loved by him. Second thing, comparison with others just breeds discontent and anxiety and it ultimately steals our joy. Comparison steals our joy. We should be looking at how we serve God. The third thing, when we're struggling and want to have a good moan, take those moans to Jesus. Take the moans to Jesus. If we think that we are doing all the work and nobody else is bothered, talk to him about it. Tell him about it. He understands and he will listen. Fourth thing, we have to be careful not to be so caught up in making sure everything is so slick and so perfect in our praise and in our services that we forget to put God at the heart of our worship. Just like the Matt Redman song that says, when the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. And the fifth thing, the path to peace begins with one thing, turning our eyes away from what others are doing and fixing our eyes firmly on him and putting Jesus at the heart of everything we say and do and think. You know that old chorus that we used to sing at Sunday school? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So as a finish, I would like to leave you with some questions and some challenges. If Jesus looked into your heart and to your life right now, would he see you busy, rushing around, doing lots of stuff for God, but actually quite resentful about it and that no one else is helping or that's how it feels to you and you feel as if you were left to carry the load yourself? Are you feeling resentful? Would he see you sitting there blissfully in communion with him, but maybe forgetting to think about helping others and sharing the burden of work? Would he see us comparing ourselves to others and forgetting that we are all loved by him and we should not be judging or criticising how some might choose to show their love and serve him. Are we criticising? Are we judging? We need to remember that walking with him is about love, 
and service and we must make sure that we get the right balance.